You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, thanks for turning on and tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret today, and that is why I enjoy doing episodes of Labor Relations Radio and how they come about. One of the cool things about having a podcast like Labor Relations Radio is I do not have to be a subject matter expert on the topics that we often cover. In fact, what generally happens is that as we're posting news on laborunionnews.com, I'll often see an article or a headline or a topic that intrigues me. And as I'm reading the article, if I think that it's something that I want to know more about, or it leaves questions, or I think that it's something that you as listeners may take an interest in, I'll usually reach out to the writer of the article, or if it's strictly a news piece, I'll see if I can get an attorney or other policy expert that can come on to the podcast who can speak about it, who has more knowledge than I do. And frankly, being the inquisitive type of person that I am, it's really easy for me as the host to ask questions and let the guests take over. And quite honestly, over the last year or so, as we've been doing labor relations radio episodes, I've gotten to know people across the country that were it not for this podcast, I would have never known. And they are what I refer to as subject matter experts. So I tell you all of this kind of as a roundabout way of introducing my guest today, who's a returning guest by the name of Karen Anderson. And as you know, we've done a number of episodes on Labor Relations Radio about the attacks on the gig economy, the devastation of California's AB5 law to California's gig workers and freelancers, and the foundation of AB5, which is called the ABC test. And the ABC test, for those of you that haven't kept up on this, is what redefines an independent contractor, and it is included in the PRO Act at the federal level, which unions are desperately trying to get past. Well, a couple weeks ago, as we were posting articles on laborunionnews.com, I saw an article that was entitled, It Turns Out Anti-Gig Economy Law AB5 Was Tarnished by Backroom Dealing. Obviously, that was the case, but nobody came out and found out. So what happened was the article talks about a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that provided a scathing rebuke of AB5's author, a woman by the name of Lorena Gonzalez, and her backroom dealing in getting AB5 passed, as well as the exemptions afterwards. Now, you may have heard Lorena Gonzalez's name mentioned a few times in our prior episode on AB5. However, as I read the article, I realized that its author was Karen Anderson, our guest today. And Karen Anderson is one of the leaders, or actually she founded uh, Freelancers Against AB5, which is a Facebook group of more than 18,000 freelancers, mostly out in California, I believe. And as a leader, she's been in it since the beginning. She's been fighting against AB5 and the ABC test. And she's cataloged literally hundreds of professions that have been harmed by AB5. So without further ado, here's Karen Anderson. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. Well, Karen Anderson, welcome back to Labor Relations Radio. How are you? I'm doing good, Peter. Thanks for having me back. So 
if nobody has listened to the prior episode, um, or if people haven't listened to the prior episode, how about we just give your background a little bit? Um, you're heavily involved in the fight against AB5, the ABC test, and, and um, somewhat the PRO Act these days. Let's yes. talk about you for a moment, and then we'll move on. <laughs> okay. Well, back in 2019, September 2019, is when AB5 got signed into law by Governor Newsom. And I knew right away it was an existential threat to my career. But I wanted to hear from other other um, professionals outside of my own little world. So I opened up this group to see what kind of stories would come pouring in. And sure enough, they came pouring in right away, even before the law went into effect. In uh, January of 2020, people were losing their livelihoods and getting terminated and getting dumped and, and um, all the rest back in November and December of 2019. So we've got about 19, I don't know, 18,500 members or so. Um, And we've identified 600 categories of professions that have been impacted by this horrible law, AB5. And it's uh, not just about Uber and Lyft. In fact, I don't even much interact with with, uh, Rideshare that much. But uh, it's, you know, it impacts everyone from small theaters to... uh, um, independent professionals and six-figure earners and healthcare professionals and, and everybody under the sun has been impacted by it some way. And when you say we have eighteen thousand or so, you're talking about the Californians Against AB Five group, right? Freelancers Against AB Five is the okay. name of my group. Yeah, so we we got a lot of people on board early on, and um, and it just represents a vast swath of professions and the whole collateral damage that AB5 has caused, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a bipartisan outrage, you know, here in California against AB5. It's not, we've got Democrats, Republicans, independents, and everybody in between who have been screwed over by this law and continue to get screwed over by it in, in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of small businesses and independent contractors affected by AB5 adversely, lost livelihoods, lost careers, and just the chilling effect of it overall, you know, and it's, it's a very confusing law. A lot of people don't understand it. So I spend most of my time trying to explain it. So one of the reasons um, I thought it'd be good to have you back on was you put a um, op-ed out on the times of San Diego. That was, it turns out that the anti-gig economy law AB five was tarnished by backroom dealing. And and you got into what the Ninth Circuit said in their in their uh, decision, but basically it was it was a takedown of the author of AB five or one of the authors, Lorena Gonzalez. Well, Lorena Gonzalez is a former assemblywoman from San Diego District eighty, and she's the author of AB five. AB five was sponsored by the California Labor Federation, which represents twelve hundred unions in the state. She has now left her assembly seat and is the leader of the California Labor Federation. <laughs> so it goes to show you the incestuous nature of, of Sacramento. And um, it's the uh, what we've been saying all along and shouting from the rooftops is that AB five is you know the it, it, the, our, the exemptions are arbitrary. It picks winners and losers. There was a lot of backroom dealing and lobbying. Um, and, um, 
you know, it's just a violation of the Equal Protection Clause under the 14th Amendment. I've been saying that since day one. Well, there was this old lawsuit filed in 2019 by Uber and Postmates, and it was called Olson versus the State of California, and it was dismissed outright by an activist judge in February of 2020, and it kind of went under the radar for a really long time until this last summer on July 13th, 2022, the um, the Ninth Circuit three-panel judges um, held a held a hearing on it because, you know, Uber and Postmates appealed the, the, that um, that dis- that uh, dismissal by that judge. They want to be heard. And it, I tuned in to watch it, <laughs> the hearing, and it was fascinating because the deputy, um, the deputy attorney general representing the state's position and trying to defend AB5 could not defend it. And, mm-hmm. in fact, the judges were saying, well, these exemptions are so arbitrary, they, they don't try to explain how, how any of this makes sense. There's no rhyme or reason to any of this. So anyway, we watched with interest to that with that. And then just this, this past month on March 17th, and the same week that Prop 22 was upheld as constitutional in the Court of Appeals on another case, the same exact week, um, the ruling came out from the Ninth Circuit, and it was just a scathing rebuke of Lorena Gonzalez in particular and her bad behavior in crafting AB5. Her animus without reason. They used words like, um, like the law bordered, the crafting of the law bordered on um, corruption, pure spite, and naked favoritism. Um, they used words like lobbying and backroom dealing. And it was a lot of Lorena Gonzalez, who is really a nasty person and has been all along, they, they cited her by name no less than 14 times for all sorts of, you know, uh, for her animus, her blatant animus against Uber in particular. And so they sent it back to the lower court because they want, they think that it's plausible that the plaintiff, as the plaintiffs argued, that, um, you know, the, that, that it, it does violate the, the equal protection clause under the 14th amendment. So is it possible, and I know you're not an attorney, but is it possible that um, this could unravel AB5 entirely? Well, it does apply just to the to Uber and Postmates at all. I mean, you know, rideshare and app-based delivery. But I think it could actually set a precedent, and we're certainly using it. I mean, I plan on throwing it back in their faces every single chance I get, and which is why I wrote two op-eds, actually, one for the Times of San Diego and another one for Coast News about, about you know, the ruling. I mean, it was just, it was, out, it was amazing. You can't believe the judges would use these kinds of words to describe Lorena Gonzalez and the law itself. It was really a brutal indictment of AB5. And it's everything I've been saying all along. It picks winners and losers. The exemptions don't make any sense. You know, and I can name a whole, I can give you a whole list of examples about how, you know, the, her, her exemptions pick winners and losers. And a lot of it has to do with who, who she liked and who she didn't like. Before, before you do that, we should probably clarify for the, 
the listeners on the other side of the country why this is important to them. Because Lorena Gonzalez was a former union rep slash organizer who went into the California State Assembly, used the ABC test as the means of passing, or I guess the foundation for passing AB5. The ABC test is in the PRO Act, which is the national law that unions are trying to pass and Democrats are trying to pass. And after AB5 was passed, they they created all these exemptions for all these different industries that were being harmed, and which is unlikely to happen if it's a national law, I would think. Um, but on top of that, you now have Julie Sue, who's friends, I believe, with Lorena Gonzalez, right? Lorena Gonzalez was also at the State of the Union address. Yes, she just, was with Katie two Porter. Two months ago, right? Representative so, Katie Porter brought her as her prom date to the State of the Union address. Katie Porter obviously doesn't realize that Lorena Gonzalez is despised by so many Democrats who've been harmed by her law. Right. So it, for the for the national. You know, you did the article, and I saw the article out of the San Diego or Times of San Diego, and I was like, "Huh, interesting." And but for the national folks listening, it's this is like it's got a bigger picture to it than just it, the California. It does, and I guess we have to circle back to the ABC test itself. The ABC test in California is the strictest classifications worker classifications um, test in the nation. And it came about in 2018 when the California Supreme Court uh, released its decision about Dynamics, which was a same-day delivery company that they alleged were um, 1099-ing the employers, I mean their employees. But that ABC test only applied to wage orders. And wage orders are like what you see uh, in a poster in a lunchroom this particular wage order was wage order number nine, and it talked about, it talks about overtime and meals and rest breaks and minimum wage and and sick leave and those kinds of things. So it only applied to wage order jobs. But what AB what Lorena Gonzalez did is she was like licking her chops and rubbing her hands together and going, "Oh, now we can take this and expand it even further." So with AB five, they codified that that ABC test from Dynamics. But they expanded it beyond the wage orders to include all the provisions of the California Labor Code and the Unemployment Insurance Code so that it traps every single worker in the state, even those workers where wage orders don't apply. So well, Lorna Gonzalez was always spouting about, oh, we have to have AB5 to protect you from dynamics. But it wasn't true at all because lawyers and doctors and, you know, white-collar professionals who are, who don't have you know, who, who aren't earning a living via wages, um, they need protection from the new law, AB5, that expanded right. ABC test. So ABC test, Joe Biden, when he was running for president, wants to see, is, is, wants to see California's ABC test in all of the labor, employment, and tax laws. So there's this big push to take what's happened in California and make it nationwide. So you have the ABC test from California showing up in the PRO Act, protecting the Right to Organize Act, in one of its provisions. And then you also, the more worrisome one, is the USDOL's new uh, 
rulemaking that I think they're going to announce in May um, or finalize in May. And that they, they couldn't by statute actually, you know, u- utilize or deploy the ABC test, but their language mimics the ABC test nonetheless, particularly the B prong. So um, the ABC test is like a malignant melanoma that once it gets a foothold into federal law, it's going to spread and be used by courts and by legislatures to make rulings and laws that continue to restrict independent contracting. And so Sue is now on the 20th next week. Um, she, she came from California. She was Cal, she was California's, um, labor commissioner from 2011 to 2018. And then she became, um, the head of the, 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 the agency there in California and the head of the EDD, um, up until 2022 when she became the, the deputy, she was appointed deputy secretary of labor by the Biden administration. So now she's, you know, Marty Walsh left. So now they want to confirm her. And she is one of the architects of AB5 and the ABC test. She is the chief right. force in California of all of these horrible, horrible um, laws that are putting everybody out of business. And the six, the six part um, rulemaking or the six prongs of the rulemaking that the DOL is doing I believe she was instrumental in helping to craft or is currently crafting, which is modeled after, but not exactly the ABC test. That's correct. And so she's, she's behind the scenes on all of these, this major enforcement effort against independent contracting and small businesses. And in fact, during the pandemic, she would not suspend these ruthless audits on small businesses who are already struggling or were, were dead in the wall because of the pandemic and her or the audits the uh, payroll tax audits that come out of the employment development department and also the investigations that come out of the division of um uh labor uh what's the, the division of labor standards enforcement that she was also overseeing um these these investigations and audits are going after you know, the little guy, it's not just Uber and Lyft and the larger industries that right. they're always shouting about. It's the little guy that's being taken down. And those are the people that are in my group that are telling me these horror stories. And even people like photographers who have exemptions from AB5 are getting audited by the EDD because Julie Sue bungled $40 billion during the pandemic. And, um, distributed uh, fraudulent unemployment claims to criminals and convicts and cartels and everything else. We talked about that in the last Mm -hmm. time I talked to you. So they have every incentive to really, really ramp up enforcement to try to make up all of that. that. So they're good, but they've all, they've been going after moms and pops and single person businesses all along from supposed misclassification violations and the penalties and fines can put you out of business. Well, I think it was you that told me the whole, during the pandemic, um, after AB5 had been passed and put in, that they were, the freelancers were encouraged to go apply for unemployment, and then they were using that as a trap to go after the employers or the companies that use those freelancers. Did you tell me that or somebody else tell me that? I think you probably heard it from a number of us. We have the receipts, Julie Sue's tweets, um, 
and also Lorena Gonzalez. They were encouraging independent contractors during the pandemic um, who aren't eligible for traditional unemployment insurance benefits to go ahead and apply for unemployment insurance anyways and name their clients as their employer. And that would trigger an automatic audit. Right. And so it was a trap. And they were trying to trying to dissuade people, independent contractors, from applying for pandemic unemployment assistance, which was the Fed's, you know, uh, rescue for, for for independent contractors. And she stole she she stonewalled on those those benefits too in California. It was a real the whole thing was a real mess. And if you read the state auditor's report from 2021. It is just a scathing, scathing rebuke of the Julie Sue's um, mismanagement of the EDD and how she ignored all their warnings from 2019 in terms of identity theft protection and updating the the, the system, their, their antiquated computer systems and all of that. So she is really, it's inexplicable how she could be even qualified to, to be the nation's top labor, you know, secretary. Enforcer, yeah. So thankfully, I guess you guys got rid of her and sent her to the rest of us, right? <laughs> well, that seems to be the case. There's all <laughs> sorts of failed California leaders that are in in the Biden administration, and they just keep coming. The next thing you know, Lorena Gonzalez, although I doubt it, her career could be in jeopardy because of the recent scandals with her husband. Well, yeah. So let's. So before we move to that, let's kind of come back to the fact. So you've got the author of the AB five who um, the Ninth Circuit just gave a scathing rebuke. Well, and... let me read what... I'm sorry, I didn't Sure, go it. ahead. No, go ahead. Um, the pa- three-judge panel wrote that the counsel for the state during oral arguments was unable to articulate a conceivable rationale for AB5 that explains the exemptions made by AB5 as amended. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that, you know? Because of Gonzalez's blatant animus not based in reason and directed at the plaintiffs, the Ninth Circuit also concluded that AB5 plausibly violates the Equal Protection Clause under the 14th Amendment. But it all hinged on Lorena Gonzalez and all of her statements and her tweets and her nastiness. And they cited all of that at least 14 times in the ruling. She should be embarrassed by that ruling. It was just, it was really a rebuke. I mean, it's, it was incredible. I don't think I can overstate how incredible that ruling was. So I guess my my question still is, can that unravel AB5 or does it unravel the exemptions to AB5 and then therefore put everybody else under it again? It doesn't. I At this point in time, it doesn't, but it sets a precedent that we can at least dig our heels in and throw back in their faces. And in fact, the trucking industry is looking at using the same tactic about Lorena Gonzalez and her animus as they appealed, as they continue to try to um, get gain an exemption from from AB5. So that came out in freight waves a couple of weeks ago, you know, and then we're looking at, at the journalists too. I mean, the journalists were not happy with the exemption that they received and Lorena Gonzalez displayed very specific animus towards towards certain um, media outlets, especially local ones in her area that she viewed as adversaries. And she called them out publicly and made all of these awful accusations that were just not true and unfounded. And and so, you know, her her tact, I mean, I think this ruling also says that, you know, 
um, these lawmakers have to watch their mouths because that can come back to haunt them later on if they're seen to be really targeting targeting a specific in in this case a specific industry i mean they were the the judges the three panel judges even said one of them said that her statements were shocking and i can only conclude that one of the shocking statements they might have been referring to is when she called tony west who is kamala harris's brother-in-law and the chief legal officer for uber she called him a piece of shit on the day that ab5 was signed into law on september 18 2019 you know, that's, that's interesting. That's in the plaintiff's um, complaint. Um, but um, really, uh, you know, Uber, Uber, she went out of her way to um, exclude Uber from any kind of exemption whatsoever, even though similarly situated app platforms like WAG, which is Uber for dog, and TaskRabbit, which has all these different little occupations that have gained exemptions through the referral agency exemption, they got exemptions. Those occupations got exemptions. So therefore those platforms can, you know, um, operate with dog walkers, but Uber for humans cannot. And she gave the, the reason that she gave was, or that they gave in the law is that, well, courier services and delivery services or rideshare is a high hazard and you look at it and you go, well, wait a minute. Um, moving furniture isn't high hazard. You could be crippled for life. Right. But they got an exemption. Dog walkers, animal service people, uh, pool cleaners, furniture assembly people, picture hangers, these kinds of these, these task rabbit occupations all got exemptions. But if you look at them, you know, you, they, those occupations, you can be harmed by them. So it belies this, this fact, this, you know, uh, theory of theirs that, you know, AB5 is to, uh, is to protect. Faulty reasoning. So-called. Yeah, exactly. So um, I guess as it would apply nationally, and I, I keep raising this point when we talk about AB5, and the PRO Act, if it were to apply nationally and you were to have a federal law with the ABC test in it, how do you get exempted? Well, that's there are no exemptions in any Right. So we, we saw, what are they going to do? They're going to point an exemption czar and bring California's chaos to the entire nation? I mean, who's going to be the exemption czar? Lorena Gonzalez? I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, and we're particularly concerned about the U.S. DOL rule and, and the chilling effect that that will have. You know, I mean, it, and I think that it will go straight into lawsuits when that when it comes out. We have to keep an eye on it. There, it's due to be announced in May, right after Julie's suit confirmation, possibly. So she would be the right. chief enforcer of that, and. And she would come down hard on independent contracting because she's no friend of independent contractors or small businesses. Let me ask you, um, this is opinion only. Were it not for the exemptions that were done in California, would it be safe to say that it would have killed off the gig economy entirely in California? I mean, there's Uh, been harm to a number of professions, but, you know, it's not entirely dead. Well, um, 
Boy, that's a tough question to answer because you have the Prop 22, um, right. which gave rideshare rideshare and delivery um, have their own carve out via Prop 22. And the confusion around Prop 22 is people think Prop 22 and AB5 are the same thing, or they think that Prop 22 applies to the entire gig economy, which it doesn't. It only applies to rideshare. But yeah, their mission the mission is to to put make everybody employees, you know, for purposes of unionizing them and increasing their membership roles so that they can shore up their failing pension plans, in my opinion. And they see rideshare and trucking as low-hanging fruit that they can corral a lot of, you know, workers into unionizing. But um, AB5 has destroyed so many professions. Uh, the, the freelance transcription profession is extinct in California. And these are people that are seniors and um, women. They lost everything. I have so many members in my group who are who were transcriptionists who lost everything overnight. And some of them, it put them in life-threatening situations because they were caring for a loved one or they they were Ill, Ill themselves. You know, they either had to flee the state or or just flounder. You know, and there's so many professions that have fallen through the cracks. And you look at the exemptions and you say, well, why why does a um, psychologist have an exemption but a, a licensed pharmacist does not? Why does a grant writer have an exemption but a, a grant researcher does not? Why does a attorney have an exemption but a paralegal does not? Why does a doctor have an exemption but a licensed, uh, I mean, a registered nurse does not? Why does a photographer, why does a journalist, print journalist have an exemption but a video journalist does not? Um, why I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, and there's so many, so many occupations that have fallen through the cracks and have just been forgotten about. And um, a lot of sectors are really, really harmed by AB5. That would include um, theater, nonprofit performing arts, um, nonprofit arts, um, and independent filmmaking, the wellness community, spas and massage therapists, independent healthcare workers. We've had we had a forensic nurse come into our group and say that uh, AB five is detrimental to rape victims because uh, forensic nurses are traditionally independent contractors, so they the hospitals call on them when needed, you know. But AB five would hmm. make them have to be employees always there, and so the forensic nurse conducts these uh, evidentiary for, forensic exams with sensitivity, and that's how they've been trained. And so without a, a forensic nurse on staff, a, wait, a rape victim could be subject to long wait times or, or exams done by personnel who don't know what they're doing. I mean, I can name so many different people from the, from the healthcare profession. Uh, licensed uh, speech-language pathologists came into my group and were telling me that they, they had to say goodbye to their, their stroke victim patients who they were helping you know, after they were released from the hospital, helping them to learn how to swallow again. Uh, ADA-mandated uh, sign language interpreting services were very much impacted by AB5 because sign language interpreters are independent contractors. Um, and the list goes on and on, musicians. It was just a complete dumpster fire. So, and I kind of keep bringing this back. Um, you did have, you've had a huge disruption to the, gig economy out there, but there were, there were exemptions. And I'm wondering 
if you remove those exemptions through, for example, this Ninth Circuit case, you know, because I I would think the government's response is, okay, you know, we can't pick and choose who the winners and losers are, so let's just make everybody losers or get rid of the bill. So if, if that were the case, and then you go back to, okay, there's no exemptions, you know, and of course there'd be lawsuits and all that sort of thing, but I'm wondering if it'd just wipe out the gig economy entirely out in California. Well, not just the gig economy. Well, I've had all sorts of professions from doctors and lawyers and everybody else who need right. exemptions. Right. You know, so so that there were 65 exemptions granted to favored professions who were very well-oiled machines and had lobbyists and stuff, doctors, lawyers, accountants, dentists, veterinarians, engineers, uh, private investigators, just a whole list of, of people, oh, real estate agents, mm-hmm. travel agents, those kind of people received exemptions from the ABC test, but they still, everybody, if you want to be an independent contractor in California, even if you get an exemption to bypass that ABC test, you still have to pass the traditional Borello multi-factor test, which is none too easy to please either. So that's still in place also. But yeah, I mean, what you would be left is, let's say AB5 got repealed today, you would be left with the dynamics decision with the ABC test in place that applies to wage order professions. So you'd have to you'd have to root out the dynamics ABC test as well. And that could be done, you know, I mean, that that came from a state agency that those wage orders that can be that can be overturned by the legislature as well. So yeah, uh, if you if you see the ABC test nationally and there's no exemptions at all, it's threatening the livelihoods of 60, 60 to 65 million, you know, people who, who rely on independent contracting either to supplement their income or as their, as their career. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was going with that. So if, for example, you know, in California, they just removed all the exemptions as would likely be the case if it went national, then you're talking, you know, I saw recently it was like 70 million but a third of the U.S. workforce. Right. Right. So, and the chilling effect of it, you know, even if they, they, they might say, oh, it's innocuous, you're not going to, you know, it's only if, blah, blah, blah. But the chilling effect, even in California, the chilling effect of the ABC test makes businesses want to stay away from independent contractors altogether because there's so many landmines in the law, you know. Right. so So even even if you think you can pass the ABC test or you have a blanket exemption from the ABC test, a lot of the people, you know, you know, the uh, employment law attorneys are advising businesses to stay away from independent contractors in California altogether because, and, and we're seeing that kind of play out with the audit stories that are coming into my group. For example, photographers have an exemption. But we're wedding photographers are coming in my group just recently saying they're getting audited by the EDD for bringing on a second shooter to a wedding. Oh, really? And, yeah, and they're saying, and the auditors are telling them, well, if you if you tell them where to go and what time to show up, you're, you're controlling and directing the work, so you have to make them an employee even for that day. So incredible. So all a lot of smoke and mirrors and pulling the rugs out from under people, and we're finding out just how devious these exemptions really are and how some of them, a lot of them are partial. A lot of them, you know, come with caveats and fine print. For example, it's, you know, people might say, Oh, there's 109 professions exemptions, exempt 
exempted from AB5. What's the problem? Most people are exempted from it. Well, that's just not what's happening here. Like a tutor, for example, can only get an exemption via the referral category of exceptions that comes with 11 caveats that they have to meet in order to be able to be an independent contractor. That's the only way that they can get an exemption from the ABC test. And tutoring companies, by and large, can't operate like that because it wouldn't allow them to be, you know, to provide curriculum or, or, or training or any, any kind of branding or anything. So mm. most tutors are out, most, most online tutors are out of luck. And you see that over and over and over. Wedding planners especially, they have an exempt, supposed exemption, but it doesn't work in the real world. So all of this talk about, oh, all you professions, you, you know, what are you complaining about? It really only applies to Uber and Lyft or, or trucking or whatever. Well, that's not what we're seeing on the ground here. And what I'm trying to do is get our AB5 stories out there so people understand what's really happening to average, average people who are just trying to make a living or trying to run a business, you know? So we started to, to head down the road of the scandal that's going on right now. Um, and this involves Lorena Gonzalez, and I've only been keeping up with it on some posts that I've seen on Twitter and a couple articles here and there. But so Lorena Gonzalez, the author of AB5, is married to a guy who is the San Diego city commissioner, county commissioner, something, right? Or board of supervisors. Board of supervisors. And Nathan so Fletcher. Nathan Fletcher, he just resigned, went into rehab or something, right? That's right. We think. We, we're, we're, a lot of people are calling BS on his rehab thing, but, but then there's, there's some sort of, is it sexual harassment or, or assault? And the, this kind of goes back to, was there a cover up involved or something? Well, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed on it. Lorena Gonzalez um, had an affair with this Nathan, Nathan Fletcher. They were both married at the time when they got together. And I think they got married in 2017 Okay. And with her connection, she was able to fund campaigns to get him, you know, I think he was an assembly person for a while there. But anyways, she was able to get him into the board of supervisors with a lot of funding, which is a very powerful position. And he's also sits on boards of all sorts. He sat on the CARB board, which is the California Air Resources Board that comes out with all of these really restrictive regulations against trucks, truckers. Mm. And he was also on the board of the Metropolitan Transportation Service in San Diego, which is, you know, the trolleys and trains and buses and all of that. And um, meanwhile, you have Lorena Gonzalez, who is this Latina labor, you know, champion who's fighting all fighting all of the evil, evil, evil business people and workplace kinds of exploitations. Right. Union whatever. Right. Union, union, whatever. So it just came out just recently that Nathan Fletcher had been sexually harassing and sexually assaulted a public relations specialist who was a Latina at the uh, MTS. And and because he was the chairman of the board, he was in a, um, you know, um, she was in a subordinate position to him, and he was doing. Uh, apparently, he had um, he was he was a shoe in for state senate. 
He had already launched his campaign. He was going to become a state senator. There was no possible. In fact, they were envisioning, they were the power couple of California. They were going to, they were headed either to the state Senate or the, the, the governor's office, guaranteed. He had a really scumbag future, you know, in politics in California. Well, um, this uh, woman got fired the day he announced his candidacy for state Senate. And that's when all the shit hit the fan. And behind the scenes, um, his lawyers try, his lawyer tried to um, settle and offer money to hush money to keep her quiet. And it was going back and forth, back and forth for a while. And um, then they just decided to unleash the hounds and release their complaint. And immediately he, he, he ended up in re- rehab, you know, claiming, oh, he has a problem. But where Lorena Gonzalez comes in is that she herself is named in the complaint in paragraph 59 saying that she participated in intimidating the accuser in terms of retaliation. and Trying to shut her down? Trying to shut the accuser down. This is a Latina woman. And I'll tell you, uh, I can read this here. Um, The accuser cites Lorena Gonzalez by name for intimidating her into dropping the charges, claiming that both Gonzalez and Nathan Fletcher threatened to publicly defame her and sue her for extortion if she didn't back down. In addition, the accuser stated that Lorena Gonzalez and her husband would, quote, make her look terrible and it's going to follow her for the rest of her life. So here you have California's most powerful labor leader, which she is, because she's the head of California Labor Federation, participating in silencing somebody who is alleging workplace sexual harassment, sexual assault, and retaliation, and who got fired the day that her husband um, announced his his candidacy for for state senate. So um, that is a scandal. And has she has Gonzalez stayed silent since this all broke, or is she? Well, in her I... usual defiant um, way, a couple of days after her husband ended up in rehab, and this complaint got um, made public, and everybody in San Diego's talking about it. It's on the front page of every newspaper. It's a really huge scandal in San Diego. She tweeted a photo of herself in a hot tub clinking champagne glasses with her daughter and writing hashtag sorry, not sorry, hashtag Beyonce. And so here, her husband's claiming to be an alcoholic and she's sitting in a hot tub drinking champagne two days right. after he torched his own career. I mean, we were all just, everybody was just like, what is going on with her? And now she's just, she's just on a tear with her Twitter, um, doing her usual, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's vile. She said something really vile about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in a tweet just yesterday. She uses awful language. And I don't know how the California Labor Federation, if, it, if these allegations prove true, and she really did participate in colluding to shut down a a, a, a victim of workplace of workplace sexual harassment. Her career in big labor is over. 
Well, I saw something over the weekend, and I, I don't recall who was tweeting it, um, but basically a breakdown, uh, a whole bunch of different tweets, and saying, why hasn't anybody from organized labor in California said anything about this? They're basically all these labor leaders in California are just staying quiet. And you've got this issue. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you've got this issue of sexual harassment or sexual assault or whatever it was. And, you know, but the labor leaders who are supposed to be protecting all women, believe all women and all that stuff are staying silent. Well, I'll tell you who's really in trouble is MTS, this agency, because they found out about these claims back in February and they decided to defer to Nathan Fletcher's attorney to try to solve it. Oh, that's and interesting. Now, yes. So now they have a huge exposure to liability in the millions, I would think. And it's coming out that Lorena Gonzalez and Nathan Fletcher, even though they don't have this kind of money, somehow offered, tried to offer this accuser $650,000 to keep her quiet. Where did that money come from? They think it came from one of her union pals. They don't know. I mean, the money was never produced because they didn't, they didn't agree to any of it. She's, they're filing the civil lawsuit. They're going ahead with it. And so if you read, if you read the complaint, it's pretty, I mean, the things that he did with, and, and Lorena Gonzalez, she just had, when all of this was going on and he was having this, this, these sexual encounters and, and which he says was consensual, she had just, she was recovering from breast cancer and she had had a double mastectomy. And so. You talk about Gonzalez or Lorena the victim? Gonzalez. Okay. No, Lorena Gonzalez. Hmm. So, um, to her for her husband to do that I, I just don't see how she can stand by her man and in fact she's such a political person and she's so power hungry that he's of no use to her anymore because he his career in politics is completely and totally over uh, all of the board of supervisors voted no confidence they want he did resign but he doesn't want to resign until may 15th and the reason he didn't want to resign until may 15th is that they had a hand-picked labor boss from santa Cruz or Santa Clara that the the board was going to vote on to become a very powerful um, chief administrator of San Diego County, which is one of the most powerful positions in the county. And they, that, that woman was their handpicked choice. So is she still up for the job or yeah, I, that's, that remains to be seen. I think possibly the, the board of supervisors might withdraw her name but he wanted to vote on that. And so he, and plus he wants to keep, he's been getting millions of dollars in private security he paid for by the San Diego taxpayers. There was a very suspicious arson fire at their house right before she resigned as I remember um, that as a assembly person in District 80. I mean, there's all sorts of really strange, odd things that happened right at the beginning of last, of this last year. So his security is paid for by whom? The County San Diego. Diego. Okay, San Diego taxpayers then. Yeah, for what? He's a supervisor. I mean, why? We're talking $1.9 million worth of security in the last year or so. Are they I mean, union security guards? 
Well, I heard a rumor, <laughs> and I don't know if it's true. I was saying that tongue-in-cheek, but go ahead. <laughs> one of the security guards is, is claiming uh, wage theft on uh, unpaid overtime while working for Fletcher. <laughs> no. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Wow. You know? And they think, and for whatever reason, he had around-the-clock 24-7 security, even at their house, except on the day that they had their house fire. And the house fire started on their porch in a little toy bin, you know, that, and, and mm. there was a, you know, a external hard drive in the, in the, in the rubble. In the so, toy bin? Yes. That ended up in the rubble in the, of the, the burnt, burnt stuff in front of their house. And so they were living in a hotel while they were getting their house repaired. And that's when a lot of this stuff, all of these trysts and, and he, he wanted to have these trysts with her at the hotel or in the, in the, on the stairwell or whatever with the, with the accuser, you know, but the security guard, I heard this from Carl DeMaio. I don't know if it's true or not, but he said, he, he's a radio host in San mm-hmm. Diego. He said that one of the security guards said, Oh yeah, they started the fire themselves, the Fletchers. But I, I can't, that is just rumor. It's totally well, rumor. Yeah, I don't know that there's, at least not that I've seen, any kind of um, arrests or anything on whoever the arsonist was, right? There's been no arrests, but they've determined it to be arson. Yet where were their security cameras? Were they not turned on? Even I have a blink camera in my front yard and in, in the at the front entry. So how right. is it that there's no security cameras and no security guards when the house fire started? So right. all sorts of little weird things like that. But, um, you know, Nathan Fletcher's career is over. Um, he hasn't resigned officially. I mean, he's resigned, but he's not going to resign until May 15th, and they want him out of there now. So that's the latest headlines as of yesterday. I don't think he's – and Lorena, he's saying, well, he's in rehab. He can't – he can't talk to anybody. He's under lock and key. He's not going to be able to resign until he comes out. You know, these kinds mm. of things. You know, but Lorena Gonzalez has a lot of enemies. Uh, she's made a lot of people really angry over the years because of her her thuggery and her bad behavior and how she how she treats people on Twitter and and um and her her putrid AB five law that has, you know, put millions of of uh, independent contractors and small businesses in jeopardy in, in, in California across the state. Yeah. It, and so it, circle, circling back around to the Ninth Circuit ruling, it was very validating for all of us who have said all along that she's, you know, she was engaged in really bad behavior while crafting her law and crafting and doling out the exemptions to her chosen, the chosen people that she wanted to give exemptions to. Well, that's cronyism, which is, you know, kind of been clear all along. It sure is. And I can give you another example, too, if you want to hear this one. Uh, Senator Jeff Stone was a was her adversary in the um, in the legislature, and he used to call her the uh, black widow of public policy. And on the, the day of the vote on AB5, he, she happened to be in the, in the Senate next to Tony Atkins or whatever her name is. And... Um, he called her out by name and said, how come, do you, do you know where this um, exemption uh, application sign-up sheet came from that's circulating around the Capitol? Do you know what the letterhead says on it? 
And she's like denying that she knows anything about it. Well, it, it had AFL-CIO letterhead on it. Mm. It's made her look really ridiculous. Um, because we know who's doling, who's who's in charge. It's the unions who are in charge of who gets an exemption and who doesn't. And, of course, Lorna Gonzalez as well. But Jeff was a um, pharmacist. Now, we have a, a licensed pharmacist in our group who's got a doctorate degree, and she she would uh, her whole career as an independent contractor was um, um, doing inspections and best practices at compounding pharmacies up and down the state. Well, Jeff was trying to get, get pharmacists exempt. They should be exempt. Why, why shouldn't somebody with, of that caliber who's licensed not be able to have an exemption from this horrible law? It's my theory that she didn't grant pharmacists an exemption because she has an animus toward Jeff Stone, who's also a pharmacist. Interesting. I'll tell you, watching California from afar and you just sit back and, and shake your head, you know, anytime a headline comes up, whether it's, you know, the AB5 or the FAST Act and all the stuff out there. And I've, I've had this said and I repeat it often that California seems to be the petri dish of bad ideas. It certainly is. It certainly is. And why, why would anybody want to bring, you know, we're also the canary in the coal mine because it's not speculation right. as to what these laws can do to people. You know, what's, it's happening here in real time. And when AB5, it was only the pandemic that kind of obscured that it would have been a dumpster fire beyond the dumpster fire that it already was had not the pandemic, you know, shut down a lot of these public locations where people, you know, like, Theaters were already shutting down because of AB5. But then the pandemic happened. So the lawmakers and Lorna Gonzalez could say, oh, well, they're shutting down because it's not because of AB5. They're shutting down because of, of the pandemic. Same same with musicians or interpreters and translators or people. You know, uh, the pandemic um, obscured the big picture collateral damage and the bad optics that would have been exposed to the public about all of the the people that were just like, it was like the Titanic people just, you know, swimming for the nearest lifeboat. Well, and it seems like it's still somewhat um, underwater, so to speak, or under the surface because it's, you know, you're getting it out there. Kim Cavins getting it out there, you know, others, but it's really not making national news. I know there's a hearing next week, I think with Kevin, Kevin Kiley and Virginia Fox. Yeah. He's, yep. the, he's the head of the subcommittee of the um, uh, what's the name of his his committee? Education workforce or education education Center. and workforce um, protection. But he's the subcommittee on um, on Virginia Fox's committee, and there's right. there's going to be a hearing about it's it's going to be the day before the Julie Sue confirmation hearing that's going to be conducted by Senator Bernie Sanders. Oh God! <laughs> it's just so it's all happening all at once next week yeah. in Washington in terms of bringing this issue to light, and it is getting a lot more coverage. But unfortunately, the the legacy media they just don't have their facts straight about AB five at all, and they keep perpetrating these uh, the, these myths that AB five has not. I mean, if you read Reuters or or Forbes or Bloomberg or any of these. You're like, who are these people writing these stories? They don't have their facts straight. 
AB5 applies to every single profession in California unless you have an exemption. It doesn't just apply to some. Prop 22 did not exempt the entire gig economy. Prop 22 is not the same as, as AB5. The truckers, you know, they, they were ex- temporarily exempted from AB5 for almost two and a half years because they were in litigation that whole time. So right. when that litigation came to a, to a dead end, all of a sudden AB5 applied to them. And, but you'd read, you'd read these media stories, these national media stories, and they were saying that, oh, AB5 is just now in effect on all professions in California. I mean, it's just the, the media, they, just, they, they use each other's articles for their research, and they regurgitate the same erroneous um, information about AB5 that makes it all the more harder for us to fight it here because we're saying, you know, this is really happening. It really is happening, and it is affecting, like I said, we've got 600 categories of professions just in my group alone that we've identified that have been negatively impacted by AB5, and some of them have been put out of business altogether, and it's decimating entire sectors, including the nonprofit small arts. I mean, that is is, is very well documented that that is happening, opera companies and small theaters and regional theaters, mid-sized theaters, they cannot operate under this law. Dancers, the dance community in Los Angeles, it took them forever to get get established. You know, and then AB5 took it all away. We've got dancers in our group that are saying it's just impossible. They cannot make every single person an employee even for a single production. It increases the production cost by like 40 to 50%. There's a uh, website, and I think this might be yours. Is it uh, personal stories about AB5 or something like that? It's got all these different stories of individuals. Well, Kevin Kiley, uh, Representative Kevin Kiley, when he was an assembly person, he collected a bunch of stories. But I also have in my group all the stories that I've collected over the years from everybody from fly fishing guides to lactation consultants to guitar makers and Grammy award-winning musicians and, and you name it, they're listed. I've, I've just collected every story that came in my group and archived it by category of profession. So you can go to freelancers in AB, against AB5 and click on this. It's a bubble-up role. It's kind of a role, and, and it, it, you can read through all of these horror stories. Some of them are just, they bring a tear to your eyes. Music therapists, that one really got to me. These These music therapists were providing... The only thing left for these little children in the children's hospitals who were on palliative care and, and on their way out, and, and AB5 took all of that away. You know, professional Santas were very much impacted by AB5. Um, seniors are disproportionately affected by AB5 in particular. Um, minority strippers, ex- exotic dancers, uh, when they have to be made employees of the clubs the clubs have to cut costs any way they can so they dump all of the marginalized strippers they don't they only want to use the most acceptable strippers in the strip club so all of these like 50 percent or, or more of the strippers that were working in strip clubs got just dumped so the strippers have come into my group and have told us about how ab5 has caused a lot of them to resort to um uh, survival sex work on the streets you know, it, it, it affects every kind of demographic and and that you can name. Yeah, I just went to the Facebook page that it's 
the personal stories is the one I was referring right. to. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I've linked to it several times. I'll yeah, it's, it's sure pretty it's much a rude, it's a rude awakening. But when you point to that, uh, our stories, they don't want to hear it. They, they dismiss our stories. They say that we're hysterical. Vina Duval in particular, Lorna Gonzalez, you people are just being hysterical. You're not losing. Those weren't good jobs anyways. Oh, you're getting bad advice from your attorneys. This isn't really happening. Or really, we're just expendable roadkill in the greater mission to of the recentering of worker power. So they, you know, all of the all of the the destruction across the vast swath of professions is is it that the ends justify the means kind of scenario with these people. They don't care. Yeah, you're collateral damage. Yeah, we are. And it's by design because they want it. They want to control the entire independent workforce. You know, for purposes of all all sorts of different purposes, including you know, payroll, tax revenue, and um, you know everything else. Union pleasing the unions, doing the bidding of unions because they're the ones that feed the campaign funding for Democrats, and we've got a supermajority in California. Um, so you can't. I mean, even Lorena Gonzalez tweeted not long ago, "You have to kiss her ring if you want to if you want to launch a campaign for anything in California, including." Um, U.S. Senate. She tweeted that. That's how thuggish she is. Well, given that she's the president of the California Labor Federation, it kind of makes sense. That's right. Hmm. That's right. They don't want to do anything in Sacramento. They don't want to do anything to, um, you know, disrupt their golden ticket from right. the unions. And so it, it all boils down to that. But even uh, Gavin Newsom's former chief of staff said AB5 was just a complete wrecking ball. And and Willie Brown, who was um, he was a former speaker and also mayor of San Francisco, he got he got screwed by AB5 early on because he was writing a weekly column and then when his it, 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 for the San Francisco Chronicle and he was so upset about it that he called all the unions bastards and how dare they and if he were still in the legislature legislator he would never have allowed AB5 to pass and then would have fought it tooth and nail so there are a few Democrats that have come out and said that they think the law sucks but there's not a single incumbent Democrat in California who has come out against AB5 not one they just dug in they don't want the, and they think also, they think that it's not a problem. You know, it's only, it's only now that they've captured truckers, or they think they've captured truckers, and they, they think they're still on the tail of Uber and Lyft, they're not going to let go of AB5. They can't. Yeah. So Well, and then you've got um, certain truckers, mostly independents, who own their own rigs and stuff. Like, why would they want to become employees? They don't want to become employee drivers. Right. So they're it's moving been, out of state in some cases. They have to. They can't operate here. And a lot of truckers aren't going to be coming in into the state, too, because it, it, depending on how often you, how, how long you spend in the state hauling something, you know, they, I think they call it dead runs or something like that, where you, you come into the state, drop something off, and you, you, you load up with something else and then take it out of the state. Well, that you're not allowed to do that as an independent con if, if as an independent owner operator under AB five. Yeah. Deadheading I think is the term. Yeah. You're in the, in the state. So it's, it's affecting, you know, commerce, interstate commerce. And, and um, frankly, the, the 
the Uber and Lyft drivers, most of them wanted to remain independent contractors. They did not want to become employees because, and and that holds true today. So even though there's some debate about Prop 22, whether the promised perks, the additional perks that they added to that, um, including, you know, healthcare stipend and 120% minimum, guaranteed minimum wage and whatever, might not be living up to the promise um, they're, they're allowed to remain independent contractors, and that's the beauty of Prop Prop 22 because it, it, it provides a, a certain firewall, I think, for preventing these this kind of legislation to, to spread and metastasize across the country because other states are looking at California and seeing how all this is playing out. And we are the canary in the coal mine. So I saw a related headline recently, I think it was earlier this week, that there is now so much pushback against these referendums that the legislature wants to kill off referendums. Is that accurate? Yep, that's accurate. Kill off democracy? Yeah, and and also I was just reading something today about California's Civil Rights Division. It's an agency, a regulatory agency, that has gone off the deep end in terms of being really vexatious and getting vexatious. I've got to remember that one. Profit motive lawsuits that are just putting businesses out of business for, I mean, I could text you that article. I was reading it today. It's just, it's so, I mean, it's no wonder we lost a, a, a congressional seat in California because I think we've had what almost a million I, I don't know how many people are fleeing California and businesses altogether. Uh, yeah. I think there's statistics about U-Haul and the one-way U-Haul rentals. California leads the way out of the state. Right. <laughs> well, and I know United Van Lines puts out an annual uh, publication on where people are moving from and to. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the California's up towards the top of the list. I think New Jersey and New York are also up there. Yeah, and then, you know, they just keep rolling along with these really heavy regulations uh, that are that really trickle down and harm the, the, the gardener or the landscaper or the little guy. You know, the trucker, the little family-owned trucking fleet that, that started out, you know, they started as, as an immigrant and built their little independent owner-operator business. They're putting these, it's the little guy that's getting hurt. You know they like to they like to frame their argument around these larger industries that s- exploit workers or whatever, but it's really, you know, the the people in my group, the small businesses that are impacted by this, are moms and pops, and solopreneurs and people that may, may have, you know, used an independent contractor videographer on occasion, and then right. they get audited and they're faced with t- hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines and penalties for supposedly misclassifying someone who wanted to be an independent contractor in the beginning and has his own equipment and, and charges his own rates and everything. We've had all sorts of horror stories and, and about the hiring entities and small businesses getting audited by the Employment Development Department and the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement. Yeah, it's going to be, um, well, when the DOL comes out with a rule in May, apparently, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out across the country. Well, maybe people will start waking up to what the the attacks on uh, could mean because I think a lot most people are in denial about it. I go on Twitter and I see all of these 
freelance, you know, earn a living being a freelancer. This is what you do. You know, this is how you pitch a story. This is, you know, it's great. Become a freelancer. None of these influencers have any clue about what's going on on the national level that's good, that could take them and everybody else down. It's a difficult, it's a difficult topic to try to educate people to. And I have the conversation with, you know, personal friends or relatives or whatever. And I, for the most part, and it, it was this way for me, it goes over their head. You know, I, I work with a lot of independent contractors, have them in the family, et cetera. And, you know, most people don't get it. They don't. They think it doesn't apply to them. Right. They think it's only about Uber and Lyft. They think it doesn't doesn't exist anymore. They think it got repealed. They have no clue until they get audited. <laughs> right. Oh, what's happening? And then they come into my group, you know, everybody from florists to architectural renderers to um, videographers to wedding photographers <laughs> to wedding planners to, to, to spas to music music schools, music, um, uh, music stores. We've had, I think at least three or four or five different music store owners coming in saying they're auditing us because of our teachers, our music teachers. Yeah. Musicians are supposed to have an exemption. Tutors are supposed to have an exemption. You know, there's all of this, you know, um, crazy convoluted confusion and mess, but it, at the end of the day, if you get audited, the EDD pretty much has the power to tell you you violated the um, you, you misclassified your independent contractors, and you're going to have to pay up. Right. Well, as you know, even if you're if even if you're doing everything right and your audit comes clean, you've still got to pay the accountant to work with you, and you know it's still a cost of being audited. Well, that's what happened to this one gal in San Diego who had a platform for referees and umpires, independent contractors, and she connected them with schools and sports leagues locally. Mm. And she was she started her she started her her little business as a single well, she was a person of color, single person business, with the help of two employment law attorneys, helped her set up her business, and she herself was a paralegal, and she got outed during the pandemic, and. They drug her through such the mud, even though she was shut down completely because nobody was, you know, playing baseball, right? Playing baseball or, or hockey or basketball or whatever. And then at the 11th hour in the cleanup bill, Lorena Gonzalez granted um, referees and umpires an exemption, a blanket exemption from 85. But it was too late for this woman because of all the legal fees put her out of business anyway, and she just gave up and quit. Hmm. And, you know, we there were people that should have been exempted from the very top, like um, uh, real estate appraisers, for example. And we had one lady in our group who turned out she was an auditor at the EDD, and she was a member of the group. And somebody said, I think she's a plant. And I go, no, no, I want to talk to her. I want to find out why she's here. And I did a conversation with her, and she said, she said, first of all, EDD doesn't troll any Facebook group looking for victims. I'm here because... My husband is a real estate appraiser, and this law is putting them out of business. And we don't no. know, even know how to apply it. We don't even know how to evaluate the law to even do an audit because it's so convoluted. She told me that. Wow. Well, Karen, we've been actually on for more than an hour. Great. And I, but I love having these conversations. 
Well, it almost takes an hour to explain all of it. It's it does. Like iceberg. Yeah. Well, and I every time I do something on ABC test, AB5, ProAct, et cetera, I always have to go into the background because so many people don't understand it. Yeah, it's very hard to explain, and that's one of our biggest obstacles. Um, it takes at least 15 minutes to explain the basics of it to the uninitiated, and, it, and their eyes glaze over. But the bottom line is is it puts people out of business. Right. And you're not gonna, if you think that you can operate as an independent contractor, you know, and you're doing it right now, watch out because your client could get audited at any time. And yeah. you're going to see, you're going to see all sorts of ripple effects from, from, you know, your, your local community playhouse going out of business. Your children's theaters can't operate anymore. Little festivals and beach festivals are not going to be able to do what they used to do because of AB5. Musicians, you know, their musicians exemption is just a joke, I think. You know, even though musicians got exempted, um, they're, I mean, certain musicians, only a segment of musicians got exempted. But the like a bar band, a band that plays in a restaurant or a bar, they're, they're exempt. They don't have to, the band leader doesn't have to make them employees now, whereas they did be, when the law first passed. But it comes with the restriction that you can't play more than once a week at the same venue. Otherwise, either the venue would have to make you an employee or you would have to make your band members an employee. So when you read the law, it's like, okay, you could play four Saturdays per month because that's once a week, but you wouldn't be allowed to play a Friday, Saturday consecutive gig once a month because it falls twice. It would be more than once a week. How ridiculous is that? That's interesting. Wow. So you've got church groups, churches that might hire a piano player as an independent contractor to play every every Sunday under the exemption. They're allowed to do that as an independent contractor is provided it's once a week. But when Christmas rolls around and you have all these programs and rehearsals and everything, then that church would be required to um, make everybody employees for the entire year just for that one week. And that's the things that those are the kinds of things that we're seeing play out with this law. It's just such a stupid law to begin with. Or let me ask you this. If you've got two church services or, you know, you've got the mega churches out there that may hire somebody as a piano player for three services on a Sunday, is that more than once a week? Uh, I think, I don't know. There's just, it depends on the auditor and how they interpret the law, but rehearsal time counts for that. So if you're playing at the local brewery and you're getting together with your band and you're rehearsing, that's more than once a week. So technically you have to make all your band members and play. You would have to make somebody that sits in for you one at one gig an employee. That's what was happening to musicians when it first, when AB five first passed musicians were one of the most vocal groups fighting the fighting the law and they got yeah. an exemption, but only a segment of musicians got an exemption. If you're, a, if you play in an orchestra or classical music, or you play for musical theater, or you, you, if you're a musician, like a quartet that wants to play for a, for a playhouse for a little musical, you're not, you have to be made an employee. Opera companies are completely Unable to operate. If they if they are complying with AB five, they cannot operate. They can't they can't survive under it. So you're you're seeing a loss of the arts because of AB five. And I think that if Californians knew that they were losing their local arts, 
and their nonprofit arts because of AB5, they wouldn't tolerate it, but they don't. See, the people just aren't clued in or tuned in or educated about AB5 because it's not, the pandemic really contributed to obscuring a lot of the, a lot of the optics, I think. There's no articles out there like why aren't the arts coming back or anything like that? Oh, there's lots of articles, San Francisco Chronicle, LA Times even, who is, I mean, there there's lots of documentation about how, how the AB5 has, has really harmed the arts community and in particular theaters and theaters. There's a lot of documentation mm. about that. That is definitely um, for sure. You know, we had a, there's a woman in our group who, who had a little opera company that she founded in honor of her mother, who was a Holocaust survivor, and her opera company um, produced uh, music uh, composed by Holocaust survivors, and she got audited. They wanted, wow. they wanted to fine her ten, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know how she passed the audit, but, it, you know, AB5 put her out of business. She can't, she, can't, she can't run her opera company anymore, and it's really, really sad. Well, well, on that sad note, yeah, we should probably we should probably wrap up. I appreciate you coming back to Labor Relations Radio, and and giving us an update on terms of what's going on. Um, I did not know that they were going to be issuing the DOL regs in May. That'll be interesting to watch come about. Yeah, and if it gets enjoined or whatever. I heard through the grapevine that there's going to be immediate lawsuits to put a stop to that. Yeah. Um, but it's going to interesting timing with Julie Sue because she's, you know, she would be the head enforcer of all of that. And that's her background is enforcement. Whereas Marty Walsh was more, you know, a labor guy, but Julie Sue, she was a labor commissioner. Those are the people that enforce these worker classification laws. Right. right. So she knows all the ins and outs about how to ruthlessly, enforce the law and put people out of business. Well, thank you for coming on. We need to do it again. I'd be more than happy to. It's a luxury to be able to talk on and on about it because you really can't cover it in a five minute interview. Right. It's such a vast topic. So I really appreciate you having me on your show and maybe who is ever out there listening, uh, come and learn more. If you have questions, just come by to our Facebook group and we can answer anything you might want to want to know. Yeah. And I'll put, I'll put all the links under the audio portion as well. And including the um, San Diego uh, news article you did or the op-ed you did. Yeah. You should also include the coast news op-ed that really got went viral. That was brutal. Yeah. Send that to me and I'll, I'll include that as well. I will. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. It's good to talk to you. Good talking to you. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. So that was Karen Anderson with Freelancers Against AB5, which is the Facebook group with more than 18,000 freelancers on there. You should check it out because they've got stories to tell. And in addition, I'm going to leave the link to her page that has the various professions that have been harmed by AB5, as well as her op-eds. In any case... That wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio. I'm your host, Peter List. If you want to reach out, you can reach out on Twitter at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT. Give us a call at 1-888-668-6466 or leave a comment under the audio portion of this episode of Labor Relations Radio. Have a great week and I look forward to the next episode. Oh, black.
You have been listening to Labor Relations Radio. Hey, Labor Relations Radio listeners, this is just a quick reminder. If you enjoyed Labor Relations Radio, make sure you share these episodes with your colleagues and make sure you and your colleagues visit laborunionnews.com and subscribe to our News Digest.